0: Alrighty, howdy and hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Cibolo Creek Conversations. My name is Wyatt Marchant,
1: and I'm here with Mr. Paul Wilson. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Doing good. You and I just had lunch together. We did. It's always fun to hang out with you. Yeah, it was a good time, and it was
0: my first experience with Mike's. Jersey Mike's. Jersey
1: Mike's. Yeah, I felt kind of honored to introduce you to a whole new sub shop.
0: Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Though... Because mine came out late, I didn't get to add anything else, but any vegetables. So that was kind of.
1: Oh, you didn't fix it up? No, because they were still
0: working on it, and so I went off to the side and. Oh, I'm then sorry. Then they just hand me the sandwich. Oh. I realized that
1: I was like halfway through it. Yeah. Well, no, we got to talk about your your new house that you and your future wife, soon to be wife, are going to move in here shortly, and mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. I'm excited for the two of you.
0: Yeah. No, we're looking forward to it, and it'll be. Um, it'll be nice to just not be around parents 24 <laughs> 7
1: you know at 24 that's annoying imagine that <laughs> yeah i know your parents listen to the podcast i wonder how they're gonna hear that that's i <laughs> that's hilarious trust me,
0: i've said it around
1: them probably before <laughs> <laughs> anything i say on here i'd say in front of whoever then we got to talk about some ministry ideas that you and i are kicking around and it's always fun to get to hang out with you and then we, Walk right into the studio here and get to get to do some more talking.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a good day. Full, full, uh,
1: White and Paul out on the town. There we go, out on the town. You out on us. the town. <laughs> Watch out, you yeah. might contemplate around you. It's actually been a couple weeks since we've been in a studio together, and we've been um, using some past podcasts that um, you've broken up into a couple of different pieces that. Um, Has served us well when we needed a little bit of flexibility on our schedule, but uh, yeah, it's good to be back here, and I'm really, really looking forward to today's topic. It's a great topic.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, no, it it does help that both you and I are long-winded, because then (laughs) every time we record, it's actually two episodes.
1: Boy, I've never had anybody suggest that I was long-winded before, never.
0: Yeah, not every Sunday by your wife. (laughs) Who's the kids pastor for those listening? But... Um, But yeah, no, today's topic uh, I was looking forward to, too. It's a little different, um, at least I think, and maybe others may think so, too. But I kind of wanted to toss around this idea of self-image or self-perception. And there's a bunch of different terms that can be thrown in that. But I think we all kind of have somewhat of an idea. We're just going to go with self-image or self-perception. But I wanted to talk about it because, well, we hear a lot about it in culture, now um and it's something that we all do now what i mean by that is that we all think or talk about ourselves in some type of way right right and or we talk to ourselves rather um maybe not out loud i don't know if you've noticed this but i maybe well maybe that i'll just say it this might be kind of sexist (laughs) women talk to themselves out loud a lot more than men do i've found um uh, my mother does Allie does Allie's mother does I've witnessed it a lot but I've never like come and in like I've never done it I've never witnessed any other guy do it for prolonged periods of time
1: yeah I I don't know that I have uh, a vantage point on that Uh, so you're suggesting that women talk out loud about their self perception. They will think out. They will talk to themselves out loud. Okay, guys and, and will. You're saying guys are in their head. Yeah, So guys think of themselves. They just keep it sort of in the privacy of their head.
0: Yeah, they don't actually sit, talk out loud. Um, and I bring that up because like we all talk to ourselves, and, and some people are going to hear that and be like, "Well, no, I don't talk to myself because I would think that." But we do. It's just in our head. Whereas yeah. some people. I think that maybe is a proclivity. Women do it more out loud.
1: Um, yeah. So, to, so what what you're su- saying is, we all have a dialogue that goes on inside of our head. Yes. Some are more inclined to maybe voice that dialogue out loud. Yeah. Okay.
0: But I had to stereotype. Yes. My
1: role on the podcast. Yeah. Go ahead and get us in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's me. I'll take the fall.
0: But um, but yeah, so we all have a dialogue in our head. And with that, it's not, you know, people will automatically think it's like what they have to do or where my keys are or wow, this person I'm talking to is rather annoying um, or can you please stop talking. We'll think these things. But that dialogue can also not only be about other things or about other people but actually about ourselves. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's the reason why I thought that it was a – pertinent discussion um, to have because it affects a lot of things. And so, you know, our quote-unquote self-talk, which I don't like the phrase, but that's just what we have. Um, It can go deeper whenever we talk about ourselves. So I'm not good enough for fill in the blank. Um, I'm not able to – I'm never going to be able to lose that weight. I'm never going to be able to run that Iron Man. I'm probably sure that you've said to yourself, for instance – Or I'm never going to be able to get that job. I'm never going to be able to date this person or get married or have kids or um, what have you. Fill in the blank. I'm not blank. I'm too blank. They would never be my friend because I'm too uh, um, introverted or what have you. We all say things about ourselves in that inner dialogue. Does that make sense? Yes.
1: What you're you're describing or what I'm hearing you describe is – All of us have basically a series of tapes, messages that run through our mind all the time, self-talk, self-dialogue, it's always going on and I think where we're headed today is what is the influence of that self-dialogue? On our lives Mm. and how we see ourselves how we see others how we see God how we see our world so yes uh, that that messaging that plays over and over and over inside of our head has an enormous influence on our life
0: have you ever heard of the term manifesting I know like the word itself yeah but yes what is your perception of what that means
1: okay my perception of it whether this is accurate or not is that uh, basically as you think it sort of determines your destiny uh, or you sort of live out of your thoughts and become what it is that you think yeah or at least it's the hope that i could become what i think yeah you kind of will
0: something to be yes yeah that that can kind of come into this as well um what are your just general thoughts on that because that's kind of the cultural take on a lot of this in conversation is um manifesting your true self there's a phrase for you (laughs) uh but 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 living out your true self or or you know we'll just make it happen think think good thoughts and you know that will kind of be you know yeah
1: what is your take on that yeah, uh, so if we think of our thoughts as the foundation to our life, and I believe they are, and I I can explain why I think that, but um, if we think of a foundation to a house, if the foundation's level, if the foundation's solid and strong, then the house that's built on it will be solid and strong. If the foundation is not level, is not solid, is not strong, there's going to be complications with the house that's built on top of it. It's going to have problems. And so if we look at our thoughts as being the foundation to our life, if those thoughts are positive and healthy, then the kind of life we build from there will reflect positive and healthy. However, if our thoughts, that foundation, are negative and unhealthy, it's just a given that the life that we build from there is going to be negative and unhealthy. Because I'm convinced that probably um, the foundational aspect of human life comes back to our thoughts and then thoughts shape self-image our thoughts are the message that feeds us a perception of who we are or aren't how we are or how we aren't so i i just i'm an enormous fan of understanding our thoughts about what goes on in the traffic of our head because i've come to learn that it's enormously influential in every dimension of our life Mm -hmm. and you know particularly as it relates to spiritual life um i just i just kind of made this equation in my head not long ago i mean when you talk about faith which is foundational or fundamental to spiritual journey what is faith well ultimately in the most pragmatic practical sense of the word, faith is thoughts. It's things you've come to believe, things that you have validated as true, and then you act in trust upon those truths. Well, that's all thoughts. That ultimately every act of faith, every step that we make in the direction of faith is really... A, co- a collection or a conglomeration of truths we've come to believe. And then we trust them. That's what faith is. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about like spiritual journey and the faith of, of what it is to follow Christ or to believe in God, um, we're ultimately talking about thoughts and what we've decided to be true and trustworthy. So again, I think, Thoughts are just foundational. Um, Let me tell you a story, and I may have shared some of this on, on the podcast before, but shortly after turning 50, I had this dawning, like an abrupt dawning one morning, and I woke up to, I now have less life ahead of me than I have behind me. 50. And that sent me into... A period of reflection i i became really intrigued with that thought and i spent about two years in a um season of contemplation about what i called life and living i became very intrigued with this thing called life the 60 70 90 years that we live on earth and then the living of it like how people go about living their life and what are the shared experiences of all of that and one of the th- and so I, I did a bunch of research i read books i listened to podcasts i interviewed people i made notes of my own observations and kind of compiled sort of a teachable point of view on this stuff about life and living and one of the discoveries that i made literally was life-changing for me and that is that life comes down to these three essential experiences. And I don't care if you're male or female, if you're 19 or 90, if you're black or white, if you're Asian or European, rich or poor. There's no human being on planet Earth who is an exception to this rule. Life comes down to three experiences. Thinking, choosing, doing. Everything, every single thing that we do is the result of a choice and every choice that we make is the result of some kind of thinking now even even the things that we say well i i I don't even think about i don't even think about that anymore you do it's just that our brains are remarkable um, and so the brain has a capacity to automate so when we've thought something so many times and we've made a choice in the same direction so many times that we end up doing something it becomes a habit and so it seems to us like we don't even make the choice to do it anymore or we don't think to do it anymore that's not true we, we're always thinking it's just the thinking has come down now taking a place on the subconscious level and so we're not as aware of the thinking choosing doing um routine but everything that we do monumental to mundane is the result of a choice that we make and those choices are informed by our thinking and so to change what we do we have to change our choices and to change our choices we have to change our thinking and that's where the challenge is because the thinking is so enormous It's just like this whole um, paradigm of experiences lived, um, beliefs that you've arrived at, education you've received, um, a conglomeration of beliefs and values and priorities that all form this grid work through which we look at life, and that influences our thinking. And we so at the end of the day, every part of our life our life is the sum total of our thoughts that have determined choices that have resulted in things that we've done so i am just this huge fan now of trying to figure out the essence of the ways that we think and and the way that worked out for me is you know so i go on this two-year journey and somewhere in the midst of those two years, I wake up to the fact that I have some bad messaging. I have some ways that I had trained myself to think that were unhealthy. And the part that like was disturbing to me that that was uncomfortable for me to realize is is I had these thoughts. That had created a lot of insecurities or at least these three insecurities that i identified and i i sat back and looked at my life those 50 some years and i realized i had allowed those insecurities to cripple me okay. they had literally influenced what i would or wouldn't do and i didn't like that and so i decided i wanted to make some changes i set some goals i established some things that I wanted to be the second half of my life. And I realized that the hardest work I had to do was get to the bottom of that messaging and challenge it and um, either confront it or change it. And there were times that I I still had those same thoughts traffic through my head to try to talk me out of doing something. And I just had to, I had to go through it i had to even what even with being scared because that's essentially what an insecurity is you're you're afraid of something um even being afraid i had to learn to do the thing afraid mm. rather than let that fear keep me from even doing and so now i'm 60 i've been working at this for 10 years and I can literally say some of those things I learned in that that period of introspection around thinking, choosing, doing has totally changed my life. And so I'm a big fan of thinking, choosing, doing, and I see it everywhere. And so, you know, as a pastor, I, I do a lot of teaching. So out of an awareness of that, I, it's changed how I teach in the sense of like the application I can offer people. I do some counseling. Um, I see a lot of that in people I'm talking with. They've developed these habits, these behaviors, the do part of their life. And it's all built on poor choices that they've made over time. And those poor choices all come back to uh, a foundation of thinking, that they've developed and they've built their life on. And it's all through the scriptures we can talk about that here in a few minutes, but um yeah, this this thinking thing is is, is an enormous ingredient to life. Yeah. And I know our topic is self-image and self-perception and and basically our image of ourselves is just um uh a series of thoughts that we've created around who we are and how yeah. we see ourselves.
0: How have you seen self image uh, evolve? Like just in your lifetime. Cause like I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, someone who is like, say like a tribe, like a, a nomadic tribe. That's that still exists today. If we went over there and started talking to them about, Hey, what's your? how do you see yourself? They're like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> like, I hunt and gather things, and I love this person because of these reasons. They're a great gatherer, if you're a man, or whatever they are. There's not a whole bunch of other thinking going on, just because yeah. it's, it's a luxury. It's a time. We have time today that is a luxury compared to most humans in history, yeah. and even some that still exist today. So I guess how have you seen that kind of transform just in like from your experience? Uh
1: the way I would say it and I I think I, I may not be prepared here this afternoon to you know give you case in point but I think just in the 60 years that I've been alive I've watched society become more and more self-absorbed. Mm. And I, you know, I grew up late 60s early 70s 80s which had its own its own degree of self-absorption compared to like the 40s the 50s and then it seems like the further you go back into time you're looking at a completely different era of history and so the influences are different and um the luxuries are different and so when you're, spending, when you're spending huge amounts of your day working just to put food on your table and some kind of a roof over your head, which you have you know, in much, air, much earlier periods of history, everything was much more raw. So the essential practices of life were a lot about working, making something to buy food and to put a roof over your head nowadays that's so different i mean the level of convenience and comfort and luxury uh free time and all of the enormous influences that we have that we are inundated with every day it has just provided for a much more self-absorbed society yeah i mean you look at most social media and I'm, i'm thinking of like places like TikTok and and instagram i mean what is that that's basically people parading their life i did this i ate this i went here i'm doing this look at me it's it's just a life totally preoccupied around self so i would say that in the 60 years i've been alive i've seen that shift in society yeah and i i don't really have a sense that it's going to change it's probably just going to get worse until or unless some catastrophic thing happens that demands a whole different approach to survival i can't imagine what that would be and it, certainly not, i don't i don't, don't want to be some kind of doomsday kind of um guy i mean i could imagine what that might be i just don't want to imagine that that could be possible in our lifetime yeah yeah um i
0: think i, I think social media is definitely a big one like even since i've been born like and kids, you're how old you're 20 I'm 24 24 yeah i oh i can't even remember i'm not even that old <laughs> I was, my birthday was August 21st, which of this recording was only like three weeks ago,
1: and I thought I was turning 23. That's not promising, Wyatt, when you're 24 and you have a hard time remembering what age you are. I don't,
0: there for a while, I was 16 and didn't even know how to spell
1: my middle name.
0: I didn't even say that sentence. (laughs) Falling apart. Me or my father didn't know how to spell my middle name.
1: What is your middle name? Colton. Colton.
0: With an E-N. Oh, we were at the driver's license place and they were like, what's your, how do you spell your real name? Me and my dad looked at each other like, oh crap. (laughs) Wow. That's a whole nother topic right there. Yes, it is. Yeah.
1: But apparently I need to think, think about myself more. So you're saying in 24 years, you've, you've seen an evolution of this.
0: Well, I mean, considering like, I mean, social media really became big. It came out before, but like. 2010 is whenever it became more like Facebook became more available to people. And then all the other ones came after that. And so like kids now, everything is for the most part on social media or it's being recorded or it's about how they look for this, that or the other. And like there's always been, say, like beauty standards or like attract uh, for women or uh, how men are supposed to look. Um, Those have become all kinds of confused to the to the point to where a lot of these societal standards that existed that that say there was like a beauty standard for women or men are supposed to be you know in shape muscular whatever um they've almost started to revert so it's like those were accepted on social media but now it's almost going the other way mm-hmm. because we're thinking about it so much um so social media geez yeah no like it's it is all about just thinking about the self and then comparing yourself to everyone else thinking about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, Which is a good summary of it. Boy, does that make people feel bad, especially whenever they have like they're not they're not going into that experience with any type of they don't know any better and they just think that that's how it's supposed to be done. But I think we also do it naturally too. What's
1: that? Compare ourselves. Oh, it's Yeah, I don't want to sound like the preacher, but that's that's a wonderful expression of depravity is uh focus on self and the game of comparison Um, that's sin yeah i mean that's the ugly face of sin in that regard is anything the enemy can manipulate to use against us he will and so if he can get us inside of ourselves and use comparisons with other people as a way to enforce or reinforce lies that he wants us to believe about ourselves. And yeah, he's going to use that that trick. I'd say insecurity uh, or
0: self image because uh, being infected by sin was probably the first result of in in with, of Adam and Eve of eating the apple. Because what do they do? They covered themselves up. Yeah. They hide themselves. Yeah, um, insecurity and in comparison. Um, I guess. I guess I'd probably say that.
1: Uh, it's certainly, it's wrapped up in that. I mean, there's that that dawning of sin that opened their eyes to wrong. Um, it had a, a number of layers. Uh, created distance between them and God. There's clues to indicate that it was habit for god to come and visit with adam and eve uh totally open and comfortable and then first thing we do is find them hiding um probably well the, the first experiences of shame and guilt and yeah. fear um god asked why are you hiding from me well because we're naked and i love the god says who who told you you were naked
0: he's like what's going on here and
1: and who told you that that's a bad thing yeah you know so certainly he knew the answer to that he was he was creating a question for them to sort of own up to what had happened but yeah um a lot happened that first dawning of sin in human life and you're right some a lot of that ended up impacting self yeah and how we see ourselves in relationship to others.
0: Well, it's interesting that it went straight negative, too. It's like the, uh, I guess, baseline state of a fallen world, which we're all currently in, is to, uh, I guess the proclivity is to move towards a negative image of oneself. And I think it's just, it's probably because we all know that we are flawed, Um, especially whenever we're looking at other people and we don't see their flaws as well. Yeah, which I think is probably, you know, this, this is connected, but not to confuse it. You're looking at yourself, you get to see all of your flaws. And so that's why a lot of the time our self-talk, our self-image uh, is more negative than it is positive. Now, you have some of those that are only positives, and those are probably narcissists. Um, they're, they're certainly not humble. But Allie and I have been, like, working through this marriage material and books and like one of the pros to marriage is that you lock yourself in together and that person's going to see all your flaws so like now your self-image is also going to be seen by or i guess your true self which normally only you could see is also going to be seen by somebody else yeah um to be truly naked in the biblical sense um i guess adam and eve sense but um it does the proclivity is negative would you say so
1: yeah i mean Again, if if you look at life as fundamentally spiritual in nature, uh, God is the author of life. Satan is the author of death in all of their you know forms. So God's interested in bringing life—that is to understand yourself in a healthy, proper way from His perspective—and then Satan, he's just trying to. Bring about death. And so when our lives are controlled by the lies that Satan has fed us or fed our society, um, it's bent on destruction. And so the person whose only way of thinking is one that excludes the life-giving message of God, then they're always going to be on the downward spiral of destruction in some degree or another so they see themselves as broken and they see themselves as inadequate and they see themselves as you know just run the list and um again not everybody sees it this way but i i see everything as ultimately spiritual in nature yeah and so yeah the 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 whole self image that's built around the disappointment of what i'm not It's just an expression of, again, the ugly face of sin. And that's the tool of Satan to, you know, create that message and get us to believe that. And that, you know, when you talk about the gospel, uh, the truth of Jesus died, buried, and resurrected, and the eternal life that he brings, that's, that's, that's not just heaven the eternal life that he brings is a heavenly quality kind of life. Well, now we start reframing how we see ourselves, because we see ourselves not in our failure, we see ourselves in our worth as a sign by God. God thinks we're worth enough for him to die for. He gives his life for us. And so when we start reframing how we see ourselves through the eyes and the heart of god then the lies suddenly become you know apparent i do have worth i do have value that doesn't mean i do everything perfectly it doesn't mean i don't have my flaws but even in my flaws i have the grace of god so i have sort of like um an environment of forgiveness that allows me not to live in the penalty of my failure, but allows me to live in the victory of the transformation that can happen if I allow Christ to shape me into who I was created to be. Yeah. Cause he kind of
0: rewrites those self-given definitions or he allows them to yeah. be rewritten Yeah. Um, rather than just whatever you say about yourself. Well, now there's somebody else saying
1: something about you. Yeah, I mean, just look at the interesting contrasts throughout scriptures, and I I won't name all of them, but we're either lost or we're found. We're either a sinner or saint. Um, We're an enemy of God or we're a child of God. I mean, it just, and there's more. But it just shows the stark contrast between life outside of Christ and life inside of Christ. God really does see us differently than how we see ourselves before we come into a relationship with him. And the sad thing is Christians who have made a profession of faith come into a relationship with Christ, but they don't, they don't do anything to challenge the paradigm of how they think of themselves. And they continue to live in that sinful message and not really understand the work, the transforming work of the gospel on their behalf, to where they're, saying, they're, they're not really believing the words they read when it says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. There's a whole new transforming work that's happening. If, in fact, they let it happen to the degree of changing their thoughts, their choices, and their actions. And I see this all the time, Christians. And I don't even have to point a finger at someone else. I've certainly lived that way myself and not really taking to heart the truths of the Scriptures. Come back to thoughts. Don't really take to heart the truths of Scripture and allow them to change the message that keeps playing inside of our head. And therefore, we just end up living a lot like we did before we found Christ because we're we're not taking to heart... The truth of how God sees us.
0: Yeah. Earlier, you had said that around fifty, you had woken up and you had identified yeah. some insecurities that you had had. I guess, I think that's the case for a lot of people. And I think sometimes it's not even just self uh, self self-impo- imposed insecurities. Like, there's always a reason as to why you think something about yourself. Yes. Right. Yes. And a lot of the times that can come from even things like childhood and.
1: Well, they. Like, in some sense, they yeah. all come from childhood. All of them? Yeah, because those are the formative years of your life. And whether it's your parents, or whether it's you know the teachers and coaches that you have, when you're a kid and you're so impressionable, I mean, those are the big people. And you trust that what they say is true. I mean, a child generally operates until they have had reason to think otherwise a child generally operates from the belief that these big people they have my best interest at heart and they know the truth and so whatever they tell me i'll believe well if you have a big people in your life who's telling you you're dumb or you're ugly or you're never going to amount to anything or uh, you're a failure or you screwed that up or you did that wrong if, if that's the predominant message that you hear in those formative years, then you become 20, 30, 40, 50, and you still believe those things. That, that voice of your mother, the voice of your dad, the voice of your coach continues to have a place in your life. And you know when that's happening to you when you're four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven, twelve, those early years of your life, then you're basically practicing, habits out of that deficit. Yeah. And you go, Well, I'm done, I'll I'm dumb, I'll never get math. Or I'm incapable, I'll never be able to, you know, be good at sports or playing the piano, or whatever the thing you would like to do, but your insecurity keeps you from trying. Is that what you said about yourself about math? <laughs> I feel like you've just kind of given up on that one. Yeah. Tossing the me, towel. Me and math, uh yeah, I guess there comes a point in your life you're just like, you know what, math and me are just never going to be friends. So. I hope somebody
0: in the congregation is listening <laughs> to this, and the next time he says it on stage, is like, bad self-talk, Paul. You can do math if you want to. Ah, uh, man. Me and math. An interesting road. Yeah. You also see that a lot, too. I think accepting that you you are loved by God is something that a lot of people who – say, have had a parent missing from the home experience, which is, I think, why divorce is so tragic for kids. You know, I worked in the student ministry and, like, watching kids who went through that kind of thing because it's just like, well, especially if it happens when they're younger, um, it can either be one of two things. It's either, wow, God is uh, the best version of a father and he does love me so much, or there's no way... That the God of the yeah. universe is going to love me that much. Most people probably err on that second one, but them even more so. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, it, it's. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I agree that divorce, basically, whether parents are willing to recognize it or not, it just. It basically rips a child's soul in half. Huge injury to the soul, because it basically demolishes. A sense of who they can trust Mm -hmm. for the rest of their life, Um, but that doesn't have to be a divorce home. That can be a home where two parents basically work on a performance model. Yeah, I'll love, I'll accept, I'll affirm, and I'll reward you if you behave like I want you to. If you get the good grades, if you get the good grades, college, you, you know, whatever, I will, I will show my love toward you but if you fail and if you don't you know hit the mark then you'll feel my disappointment and sometimes you'll feel my discipline you'll feel my my um negative actions toward you and so when you grow up in that you just take that into your life with your boss with your spouse with your friends everything's some sort of a performance equation and if I don't perform, then these people won't like me. That's, that's the message. But you learned it as a kid. And boy, is that exhausting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's so exhausting. And um, there's, you know, there's a couple of different reactions to it, is, is people then spend their life on the performance treadmill, always trying to excel in order to earn other people's approval. And some people they get tired of it and they just they just give up, and then they they live these lives where they don't they don't try to measure up to their own, you know, goals and ambitions, and it's just destructive.
0: Yeah, or they run themselves into the ground. Yeah, that's a common one that you see around. I guess even just in America, a lot is a performance based. Yeah, I mean the learn? larger
1: social narrative of yeah. America is performance based. Yeah.
0: So if your worth comes from that, then you'll just keep on going. Yeah. But or you'll keep trying. Yeah. Yeah, you'll keep trying. Um Well, all right. So that's kind of the way that society and culture and some of the effects of sin. I guess now approaching, well how should the should the Christian or somebody who's curious about um what a follower of Christ is to do regarding how they look at themselves, how they talk about themselves, because you get kind of conflicting not I guess contrasting messages, not conflicting. One is, well, you have people like Paul in the New Testament saying, Well, I like I was crucified with Christ, and it's no longer me who lives, but Christ within me. So it's like well, how are we supposed to see ourselves if we're supposed to crucify, if we're supposed to be crucified figuratively or symbolically now, hopefully, um, but we're also loved by God and fearfully and wonderfully made?
1: Um, they're one and the same. I mean, they're not competing ideas. Basically, at the bottom of the the line is learning to see myself the way god sees me so god sees me as his dearly loved son or his dearly loved daughter i've been adopted by god as his son or daughter that's a way that i learned to see myself Um, god knows that we're sinners god sees our sin we see our sin we we live in it but god has forgiven us of our sin and he offers us grace in our sinfulness so i continue to be honest about my sin but i don't live in the fear of god's you know condemnation or god's um judgment i live in the safety of grace to say okay this is wrong how do i change it with god's help like what steps do i take to become different through the power of christ that lives in me so i mean there's there's lots of different ways of learning what are the ways that god sees me and then living out of that um you know god sees us as ministers he sees us as a as a as a priest basically we we become ambassadors for Christ and ambassadors from heaven on this earth that's how God sees me um so i mean just the enormity of the trust and the confidence and the the um approval of the god of the universe saying you you are my you will be my witnesses you are a minister i mean those are that's that's some pretty affirming talk from the god of the universe but that's how he sees us i just uh as you were
0: saying that i was thinking okay how can i make that make sense Because it's like i've always thought i agree with you 100 percent. it's just like wow i am a representative of god and i was thinking man imagine how nervous you'd be if you were asked to be a representative to another country for the united states and then be like, okay, yeah, that, that's just the United States and another country. Now you are it's the god of the universe exactly. to the world. And it's like, oof. <laughs> if you guys didn't already feel anxious about something, there's one for you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed part one of this conversation. Come back next week for part two. If you'd like to listen to our Sunday morning messages, you can find those by searching Cibolo Creek Messages. And finally, if you'd like to learn more about Cibolo Creek Community Church, you can find us at
1: cibolocreek.com. Thanks for listening.